James chapter 3, as we are making our way through this short and powerful book, we come to chapter 3. I'd like to begin reading in verse 13 down to the end of the chapter. So let us once again give ear to the reading of God's word, James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast or be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So we pray that as your word is proclaimed today, that you might pierce our hearts with your truth. We pray that you would grant to us faith to believe all that is promised to us in the gospel, as well as hearts of gratitude for all that Christ has done. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Well, beloved in the Lord, the year is 2020, and I don't think I need to remind you that we are in an election year. And that is simply because during an election year, and especially as we are in the tail end of an election season, the political rhetoric is notched up. And political discourse turns very ugly. Politicians on both sides of the aisle will say just about anything to demonize their opponent, to rile up their base, and to strike fear in the hearts of the people. And that's because Prevailing wisdom says that this is how you get in office. While politicians may pay lip service to wanting to unify the nation, they know that ultimately it's best for them to divide the nation and hope they get just a little bit more votes than their opponent. Well, of course, this is how things are done in the world, but surely this isn't how we do things in the church, right? Well, sadly, more often than not, when the church has to deal with issues, we borrow from the world's playbook. And the end result is we see local churches, presbyteries, entire denominations deeply divided at each other's necks as we are quarreling and fighting amongst ourselves. Well, ultimately, as James warns us in our passage today, this is because we are following the wisdom of the world as opposed to the wisdom which comes from above. And so as we see in our passage today, James will contrast two types of wisdom, those from that, that wisdom of the world as opposed to the wisdom which comes from our Heavenly Father. Well, you may recall from last week, James has been speaking about the power of the tongue, that little muscle in our body that defines who we are, the little muscle that can radically alter your entire course of life and the course of life of those around you, depending on how you use it, whether you use it for good or whether you use it for evil. As new creatures in Christ, of course, our words ought to be filled with grace so that we might build up our neighbor rather than tear them down. 
And we need to be constantly on guard from being double-minded and double-tongued, lest out of the same mouth flow blessings for God and cursings for our neighbor. Of course, in order for our speech to be full of grace, seasoned with salt, in order for us to know how we ought to give a response to people around us, requires wisdom, which is why James transitions to that topic in our passage today. And he does so by asking a very probing question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you. He gets his readers to search their own hearts. And I hope that as I read the passage for you today, you asked yourself, am I wise? Am I understanding? Am I one of those people who considers themselves a wise person? Well, apparently there were several amongst James' audience who did consider themselves wise people. When James said back in chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, they immediately thought, well, of course he's not talking about me. I already have wisdom. I'm wise. I'm understanding. Well, James says it's not good enough just to say that you have wisdom, but you need to prove it. You need to show your wisdom by your good conduct. In the same way in chapter 2 that he says it's not good enough just to say you have faith, you need to show it. So also here... He says, you can't just say you have wisdom. You need to demonstrate it by your good conduct. You see, people in the ancient world valued wisdom. But as we'll see in our passage today, there are two radically different types of wisdom. And James highlights that different type of wisdom when he says you need to show, you need to prove or demonstrate your wisdom by your good conduct in the meekness of wisdom. This is where James throws a curveball. Because whereas people in the Greco-Roman world valued wisdom, they did not necessarily value meekness or humility. Because the whole point of wisdom was for self-promotion, was to get people to think that you're important, that you are, uh, that, so that you might gain power and prestige, so that you might make friends and influence people, maybe even accumulate wealth for yourself. You can use wisdom for your own advantage. This is the type of wisdom that was, uh, was so attractive to the people who were living in Corinth. As Paul was contrasting the wisdom of this age with the wisdom uh, which seems like foolishness in Christ and Him crucified. That's what James is doing here today when he says you need to prove your wisdom primarily with meekness. This radically different type of wisdom is chiefly characterized by humility or meekness, which I have to constantly remind you is not weakness, but rather it involves thinking of, of thinking, not thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think but having an accurate and sober self-assessment. Not doing things from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, counting others as more important than yourselves. Not looking out for your own interests, but looking for the interests of others. It's using your wisdom for the benefit of others. Now, if this all sounds a lot like Jesus, it should. Because Jesus actually characterized himself as being meek. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, all, you are, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I am gentle. That word translated gentle is the same word in our passage today, translated meek. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so the wisdom which comes from above, James tells us, is first and foremost characterized by meekness, and this meekness was exemplified primarily in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in stark contrast to that meekness of wisdom that James speaks of, there's another type of wisdom which is characterized by bitter jealousy. Now, boys and girls, the word jealousy in Scripture can either be good or bad. It simply means feeling very passionate or strong about something. And like I said, that could either be a good thing or a bad thing. Even God is, has jealousy for us as his people. And of course, that is a good thing. But James makes it clear in our passage today that this type of jealousy is not the good type of jealousy, but the bad jealousy because he says it is bitter. It is bitter jealousy. This is the same word he used just a few verses before when he spoke of, of water that is undrinkable coming from a particular spring. Bitter water. Well, here we have bitter jealousy. This is the type of behavior that refuses to be happy when things go well for other people. And rather than being happy for them, we burn with envy because of their good fortune. This bitter jealousy is coupled with selfish ambition since such a person can only be happy when things go their way. It is pursued. Happiness for themselves, self-fulfillment is pursued at all cost. This word translated selfish ambition was actually used by Aristotle, the philosopher, to describe the partisan zeal of factional and greedy politicians of his day. And this is the type of things that, that James says has no business being in the church. Because when you combine bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, this toxic combination inevitably leads to disorder and every vile practice. And apparently this type of thing was going on in some of the churches to whom James was writing. As we'll see next week in chapter 4, he talks about quarrels and fights that are going on among you. And he identifies the source of that fighting in their own hearts, in their jealousy and their selfish ambition. He says in chapter 4, verse 2, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. See, we see one vile practice leading to another, a toxic combination. And so he says to those who claim to be wise and yet are seeking to use that wisdom for their own benefit rather than the benefit of others, he says, stop boasting. Stop lying to the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. You are not wise according to God. Now, they may be wise according to the world, but it's the wrong kind of wisdom. James warns them in verse 15, this is not the wisdom which comes down from above. Now, you may recall back in chapter 1, James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it to him. And later on in chapter 1, he says, every good and perfect gift comes down from above, that is from heaven, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation 
or shadow due to change. But the wisdom that some of his readers claimed to possess, he says, is not the wisdom which comes from God, but rather it is earthly in origin. It is in, it's not from heaven, it's from earth. It is a worldly wisdom because it's consumed with things of this earth, with power, with prestige, with money, all of which are doomed to pass away. Not only is it an earthly wisdom, but James says uh, it is also unspiritual. This word translated unspiritual can also be translated, is also translated natural. And it really describes us as we are in Adam by nature, apart from or even contrary to the things of the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul uses this very same word in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when he speaks of the natural man who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are folly to him, since he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so those who live according to their nature, according to this natural type of wisdom, when they see the things of the Spirit of God, it seems like utter folly and foolishness to them. They are unable to receive or even understand those things. And since this natural state stands in stark contrast to the things of the Spirit of God, I think the ESV and other English translations are justified in rendering this word unspiritual. That is, it's opposite of the Holy Spirit. Well, not only is this type of wisdom earthly and unspiritual, but James really gets to the source of such quote-unquote wisdom when he says it is demonic. This wisdom comes from hell itself, influenced by the demons and the prince of demons, Satan. Apostle Paul talked about how we in our natural state were all dead in our trespasses and sins in once we once, once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You see, Satan is at work and his minions are at work influencing the world, promoting this type of wisdom which is characterized by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. You see, those things that the Apostle Paul said is no longer true of us who have been made alive in Christ. And so we need to be on guard from being influenced by this worldly wisdom, and we need to recognize the different, the, the contrast in sources. One wisdom is worldly, fleshly, and demonic. The other is heavenly, spiritual, and divine. So let's look at that other type of wisdom as, as James transitions in verse 17 to describe the wisdom which comes from above. It's interesting that James, as is his custom, uh, describes this wisdom in tangible terms. He doesn't tell us necessarily define what the wisdom is, but he tells us what it does rather, and, and how it does it. He says that wisdom, first and foremost, is pure. The word pure means without defilement, innocence, moral blamelessness. But the purity of an object really depends on what that object is. Uh, pure gold is different than pure water, is different than pure oil. But what does it mean for wisdom to be pure? 
Well, James will go on to describe what the purity of wisdom looks like with the following words. For, uh, he goes on to say, it is peaceable. Rather than causing quarrels and fights, heavenly wisdom creates peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And as God's beloved children, whom he has reconciled to himself, with whom he has made peace, we ought to imitate him by making peace with others. Second of all, this type of wisdom is gentle. It's kind. It's considerate. Just like Jesus himself. This is another term that, that uh, is, uh, is used to describe Jesus. He is gentle, not harsh, not mean, not pugnacious. That's one of my favorite words, boys and girls. Do you know what the word pugnacious means? It means you like to fight. It means you're ready to fight at the drop of a hat, to get into arguments, to get into debates. Pugnacious. That is not the type of wisdom which comes down from above. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul uses this word to describe the, the chief qualifications of an elder or overseer in the church. He ought to be gentle, not argumentative, not pugnacious, which is so important when we look at the church today. Second of all, or, 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 he goes on to describe this, this heavenly wisdom when he says it is open to reason. I like that translation. Literally, this Greek word means easily persuaded. And that might lead to negative connotations to suggest that James is talking about a, an unprincipled or weak-minded gullibility. I think the, ES, or the NIV is a little off when it says submissive. The idea here is that you have a willingness to defer to others when fundamental, princip fundamental principles are not at stake. It's knowing how to pick your battles. It's knowing when to remain quiet and to just let things go. Sometimes I come across people who are so opinionated, who think so highly of their own thoughts, that they will let you know each and every time they disagree with you. Well, I disagree with you, brother, and let me tell you why. And they value that as if it's a virtue. They call it being principled. Taking a stand. That's obnoxious. That is not the wisdom which comes from above. That's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. We need to be open to reason. We need to be kind, peaceable, knowing when to close our mouths, even when we might disagree with a person. Second of all, or going on, he says it is full of mercy. Now notice, he, he doesn't just say it's merc we're merciful, but it's full of mercy. It's not giving others what they might deserve. It's restraining your wrath. It's not repaying evil for evil, but rather repaying evil with kindness, just as God has done for us in Christ. Adding to the list, James says that this type of heavenly wisdom is full of good fruits. And here, no doubt, he's reflecting on what he said previously when he was talking about a, a good tree bearing good fruit, even as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. See, those of us who are united to Christ, who are filled with his spirit, will bring forth these good fruit. Now, what fruit are you talking about, you may ask? Well, the type of fruit that we read in our reading of the law today in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, and all the rest. 
That's what heavenly wisdom looks like. Adding, closing off the list, James has two other characteristics. It is impartial and it is sincere. First, impartial. We've already seen how James has shown how just how inconsistent it is to hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ and to show partiality, to judge people based upon external appearances only. James says you can't do that. And so it is with heavenly wisdom. It shuns all such actions. And finally, he says, this wisdom which comes down from above is sincere. This word sincere literally means not playing the part, not acting, but, act, but being genuine, being authentic, having a heartfelt and transparent desire to really engage with the other person in a way that will build them up rather than tearing them down. As we go through this list of characteristics of heavenly wisdom, you'll know each and every one of them requires another person. You can't do any of these things by yourself. And I think it's important to note here the nature of wisdom. It is not done in isolation. You can't go off into the woods and, and live in a cabin by yourself and be wise. You can't go into a monastery and close yourself off in your room and be wise. Wisdom is only done in a community. It is a communal act. And we can only grow in wisdom as we interact and learn from one another and sharpen ourselves even as iron sharpens iron. And so that's why it is so important that as we go through this act, this communal act of growing in heavenly wisdom, Maintaining peace is so crucial. We got to get along with each other. We can't be at each other's necks. We need to be at peace. So that's why James already mentioned peace, and he closes his, his definition of wisdom with peace when he says, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. What an, what an amazing metaphor he has here. Boys and girls, he's using the metaphor of planting a, a seed, planting seeds in the ground. And here, in, instead of soil, we're planting the seeds of righteousness in peace. Peace is the soil. Peace is the environment that we as peacemakers sow, sow the seeds of righteous deeds Opening the, uh, looking forward to the day in which, in which we might reap that harvest of righteousness as the Lord will be complete, will finish his work of sanctification in us. As we consider this contrast between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, I think we all need to recognize the fact that we need more wisdom which comes from above. We need less wisdom, which comes from the earth, and more wisdom, which comes from God. We all need to be more and more like Jesus, who is perfectly pure, peaceable, gentle, open, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits, who became for us the wisdom from God. May we no longer be conformed to this world, but rather transformed by the renewal of our minds, and may we recognize our need for faith, or for peace, or, or sorry, for wisdom, 
and continue to pray in faith, confident of the fact that God will give it to us if we ask for it in Christ. Amen? Let's give thanks. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that when you came, you showed forth meekness, gentleness, peace, and you were full of good fruit. Thank you that you have become for us the wisdom of God and you shower that wisdom upon us freely by your grace. And yet we confess, O oh Lord, that more often than not, too often, we are influenced by this world. We are influenced by the type of wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic. But O oh Lord, we pray that you might inc increase in us the type of wisdom which comes from above, increase in, in us meekness, so that we might pursue peace and bring forth fruits of righteousness for your glory and for the good of our neighbor. And we ask this in your name. Amen.